Good morning, Trinity. My name is Trip Prince. I'm the pastor on the north side, and today is Thursday, April the 9th. And we continue with our pattern that has emerged over the last few weeks of reading a portion of our daily scripture, praying together, and then briefly reflecting on those readings. And so today I'd like for us to read from Mark chapter 14. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, and we'll read together verses 21 to 24. Our Lord Jesus says this, For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. While they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you this holy week for the gift of our Lord Jesus. We thank you for his example of love. We ask that you would today, by your spirit, give us the faith, give us the courage to not only receive that love, but to have it so change and transform us that we share that love with those around us, especially those who are closest and nearest to us in these remarkable days. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we reflect on these very well-known words from our Lord Jesus, I want to also begin by reflecting on a phrase I think we've all come to know in one way or another in the last few weeks and months, and it's that phrase, shelter in place. I think maybe a month or two ago, those words would not have even registered in my mind as a phrase. They really didn't mean anything at all to me, and yet, If I'm anything like you, and I'm sure we're the same in this, we seemingly can't go an hour without hearing that phrase multiple times. And not just hearing the phrase, but the reality of what it has meant for our lives has shaped and reshaped our daily existence in countless ways. As we all continue to stay home for the good of our neighbors, for the good of our city, for our communities. And what we've been told is danger and sickness abounds out in our city, in our public public spaces of gathering. And so what we should do and rightly do is retreat to the safety of our homes and to our intimate relationships and really not wander or deviate from those at all. And I just can't help but think about that reality as a lens through which we read these words from our Lord Jesus. When he instituted the Last Supper, he chose to share this Passover meal in a private home with his closest friends. And what faced Jesus in that moment was the very real threat of death and violence, really at every turn, if he were to go out into the city of Jerusalem. And so in some ways, it would be very easy, I think, for us to assume that this meal was for Jesus a moment of refreshment, a way that he wanted to retreat into the safety of shelter, to go and find safety and shelter within that somehow was going to shelter him from the chaos without. And yet, as one pastor, Lawrence Farley, reminds us, he says this, he says, even in this atmosphere of cozy safety, a traitor lurked in their midst, throwing the joy of the meal into shadow. 
If you worship with us at Trinity on a Sunday, when we gather in person at any of our locations, you'll hear this reading. You'll hear a portion of these words, these words of institution, in which we remember and enter into this meal that our Lord gave to us. And Jesus invites us to do so as his church whenever we gather. And yet what's interesting, it's easy for us sometimes to disconnect those words from the immediate context in which they're given. Sometimes this is where those headings in your Bible, the section headings are actually not very helpful because they divide one part of the reading from the other, one part of a story from what comes right after it or before it. And I think that's the case here as well, because we have to remember the context in which Jesus gave these words, gave this instruction, this reminder that this bread and wine is his body and blood. Mark reminds us, it says, while they were eating. And that's a really important phrase because I think we need to remember Jesus came to free humanity. He came to free creation from its bondage to sin and to evil. And even in a safe and sheltered place, Jesus knew our capacity as human beings for betrayal, that our hearts were willing to turn against him and that we see this even by those who knew him better than anyone. Jesus chose to offer himself for the life of the world, as John says, bringing hope and healing to every place that was touched by the effects of sin and death. I think often the more external effects of sin are the easiest to see. We think of that right now. We live in a world that longs to be healed from a global pandemic, but not just this immediate pandemic. You think of things like war or violence. You think of exploitation and greed. And yet, if you're anything like me, we have now spent weeks on end sheltered in place. And in so doing, for me at least, it's made me painfully aware of these other parts of my life, these more hidden and secret sheltered parts that are easier to overlook, but they're just as much in need of God's healing touch. Here's something to think about, especially for those of you who who do not live alone. If, If you live with other human beings, whether it's a roommate or roommates, a spouse or children, I think over the last few weeks, you've likely had to learn some new rhythms of life, new rhythms of life together, including how do you love these people? How do you serve them? How do you forgive one another as you live life in the closest of quarters? I think we all have these habits of being, these ways of being selfish or a pattern of of dysfunction, that it's maybe easy to hide when things are quote unquote normal, And yet now they've been exposed or brought to the surface in countless ways. And I think we should ask then, well, what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves in these moments? And I think we must learn to love just as we have been loved. And how have we been loved? St. Paul famously reminds us in Romans chapter 5, God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there's a lot of ways I'm sure you've heard that verse used, really famous, well-known phrase from Paul. But it's really good to remember, I think especially in light of these words from Jesus here in Mark, that Jesus, he loved us fully and completely 
and was therefore able to look at every single person with love and compassion, whether they were a stranger out in public or whether they were the most intimate of friends. And I do wonder, are we able to do the same? Are we able to have the same love and grace and compassion that we have for the stranger? Are we now able to have it for those we're sheltered with? For those with whom maybe we see their faults in a more glaring or more obvious or painful way. Maybe the ways we become aware of our own brokenness, our own shortcomings, and we grieve those. We need to look to Jesus and to see the way in which he has loved us so that we can go and do the same. Today's a really special day in the life of the church. It's called Maundy Thursday, which is a strange phrase. And to add another strange phrase into the mix, it's the beginning of something called the Paschal Triduum which is the three sacred days. So Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. These, within Holy Week, they create almost a, a single movement. It's this unified entry into the story of the final days of Jesus' life before his death and resurrection. And the reason it's called Maundy Thursday is it comes from the Latin word for a new commandment, the Latin word for commandment. Because in this day, the church not only remembers that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper and gives us this meal, he also reminds us of the way in which we are loved. And so in John 13, it says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And maybe sit with that phrase in a really new and unexpected way today. Because when John says, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. For us, that expansive sentence now has a very domestic, a very immediate application. What does it mean to love one another under the same roof? How do the other people in your home know that you are loved and love Jesus by the way you love others? How do your children know that you are a disciple of Jesus by the way you love your spouse? How does your spouse know it by the way you love your children? By the way you serve your roommates? By the way you give yourself away? Jesus invites us into this way of living and we're meant to do it at all times and in all places, but especially right now, this is something we're invited to do. He loved us fully. He loved us completely. And was therefore able to look with love and compassion upon every single person, whether they're a stranger or his closest, most intimate friends. And I think maybe for us, the simple question is, are, are we able to do the same? Are you today on this Maundy Thursday as we remember the Lord's Supper, as we remember this command of great love? Are you able, likely living right now, very closely with your intimate friends, are you able to look on them with love and receive their love into your own life so that you and I can together be faithful followers of Jesus who know him and know his love and share that love with others. May that be true for you and me today and may God bless you.